Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, it's going to be Richard and Marcy, and actually, I've got two open lines at this point, so grab one of them while I say good morning, Richard. Morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Uh, I got a question. I got a problem with grub worms, and, I mean, they they everywhere. They in my yard, they in my flower beds, they in my garden. I was just wondering the best way to get rid of them. Well, first of all, they are not a problem now. They are going to become an issue of sorts because the grub worms that you're finding now, and we're talking these little things now, they're probably, what, close to uh, three-quarters of an inch to an inch long and maybe almost as big around as a pencil? Yeah, some some of them are, are bigger than that, yeah, yep. but, but most of them are about that size. Well, these guys have pretty much grown to full size, and they're just waiting uh, for the soil to warm up to the point that they can turn into june bugs go fly around and lay a bunch of eggs it's not the big grub worms that are so damaging to our plants it's the little bitty what we call first and second larval instars that do the most damage to the plants and we i haven't seen any sign of those yet i haven't seen any june bugs yet i think that's one thing about this cool weather we're having this month it is going to delay the flight of the june bugs a little bit so uh, i guess my first message is don't go overboard worrying about it because those are not the grubs that are really going to do all the damage it would be nice to kill as many of them as possible just because that's going to mean fewer june bugs to get out and lay the eggs but uh this is not something you have to do in you know the next 30 minutes what i would do is uh is go to a good nursery that carries the live beneficial nematodes and simply put those things out you'll be controlling fire ants fleas grub worms wireworms you'll be controlling a lot of different uh problematic organisms in the soil and uh it will take much longer your your little um the those little first and second uh, larval instars the ones that do all the damage the nematodes kill those in a matter of hours these big grub worms it may take two or three weeks before the uh, nematodes actually totally kill them but they will render them in incapable of turning into june bugs they'll they'll become so to speak totally neutered and harmless by putting out the beneficial nematodes so that's what i would do sometime in the next week 10 days two weeks go to a good nursery get some live beneficial nematodes and put them out to control the grubs and don't worry if they don't just all seem to be dying overnight they've been neutered so to speak and they're not going to be that much of a problem now do keep an eye out for the june bugs when you start seeing a lot of june bugs when you start seeing them flying as we oh that can happen anytime between april and september but when you start seeing june bugs you're probably going to want to make another application of beneficial nematodes but those things aren't expensive and like i say you're also controlling fleas and other critters at this point but the, the most important thing is they are not going to just devastate your new spring crops and things like that because the ones that you see now have done pretty much all the eating they're going to do so they're not really going to go after any of your plants okay well thank you on that and i got one more quick question yes sir i have, uh, I have rabbits and uh 
Can you overdo rabbit manure like in your gardens? It would be hard. Um, rabbits, what do you feed your rabbits? You feed them an alfalfa-based uh, food of some yeah. sort? Yeah. yeah. See, this is what yeah. makes makes rabbit manure so great is there's so much good stuff in the alfalfa. That's why it's so good for the rabbits. But uh, it, it really produces a top-quality manure, but it's not a really hot manure. You know, poultry litter manures uh, – uh, chicken, chicken litter, manure, and things like that. That stuff, if you don't compost it, uh, certainly has the potential to burn. But I, you know, I'm just really not worried. I'm not sure that I would plant, you know, things in just nothing but um, rabbit manure. But it's it's not hot enough that I think you're likely to see any damage whatsoever. I think you're very fortunate to have it because it is just one of the best nutrient materials out there the nutrients are in a form that's really good for the soil really good for the earthworms and all the things that keep our soils loose and open so uh um i i, I wouldn't worry about using too much of it i, I just don't think that's going to be a problem okay that's all i've got thanks a lot well you get out and enjoy this weekend and uh have a happy saint patty's day tomorrow yeah i'll <laughs> All right, Richard. Thank you so much. And uh, let's see. I'm going to go next and talk to Marcy. Good morning, Marcy. Good morning. I have a question about raised beds. I have a brand new house that had Bermuda grass, and I had some raised beds made. And anytime I do that, it seems like the the landscaper or yard man, he always wants to put in that fabric, that right. landscape fabric. Yeah. And, and I usually somehow just get talked into it, but it drives me crazy because now, and I told him over and over, if if I want to plant anything, you know, I'm a real gardener. I, I want the flower beds done, but I want to also be able to work in my garden. Sure. And so what do you do then? Do you just have to cut it um, to, to plant something? Yeah, I'm just, uh, it's terrible stuff. I mean, I, I know the only time I put it down is when I want to kill what's underneath it. I use it. I'll roll it out and leave it for one year you know, on a row where I'm expanding my vegetable garden or something, and I will actually cut holes in it and plant through mm-hmm. that. But, mm-hmm. man, when that year is gone, I rip it up and, well, I don't throw it away. I roll it up and use it again if I want to expand a little bit further. But anywhere you can, uh, number one, you know, grow a little backbone and say, hey, if you want to be my gardener, you're going to stop <laughs> using this stuff because there are a bunch more just like you out there that like my money. And just you, you just – it yeah. just doesn't work. That's the other bottom line to it. You know, I, I have, if you were to look around my vegetable garden, which, golly, I'm behind in getting stuff done this year, but around the whole outer edge of it, I have a, a two-and-a-half-foot-wide strip of the weed block just to try to keep things from growing in from outside the garden, hmm. trying to get into my wonderful garden soil. That I can't use the words I'd like to on the air, but that Bermuda grass grows over the top of the weed block. It grows under the weed block. That's the big joke. If Bermuda's an issue, the blasted weed block doesn't even start to stop it, and it's just it's mm-hmm. killing your soil. It's the just know. you know and the life underneath so rip it out everywhere you can if there are okay. any places that you can't dig the biggest holes punch the biggest holes through it that you can but i just um okay 
Unless you're trying to sterilize the soil. And the, the other thing I'll tell you about it, too, is that it doesn't, it, you know, you'll, you'll get dust and things collecting on top of it, and then you'll have one of the biggest weed problems you've ever seen. You can put the weed fabric down, you can put rock on top of it, and all of a sudden you'll have weeds growing in your rocks. I, I, I'd laugh. There's a, a subdivision up the way from where I live, and I used to go up and, you know, visit with some friends up there that, uh, and I passed a yard going into Diamond Ridge, that where the guy put plastic grass in the front yard. He had the biggest <laughs> weed crop I had ever seen oh growing up out of his plastic grass because it just doesn't work. The dust blows in, the seeds blow in. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. I hate weed block. <laughs> and I think well, it should be done away with. What's he's that? coming by today. He's mm-hmm. coming by today. Should I ask him to, to use his knife and cut out some holes so I can plant stuff? Or If you think you, you can know, trust him to actually do it i'll uh, watch him do it <laughs> i think that'd be the thing i do okay i'm gonna i'm gonna ask him to do that because i i mean it's just ridiculous i tried to plant stuff yesterday and it's just so frustrating and oh yeah yeah it's amazing how it can stop your garden spade but it doesn't stop the weeds <laughs> yeah and the worst thing too marcy okay. of course is it really interferes with water absorption and most importantly it interferes with oxygen and absorption into the soil and those are two things that you really really need if you're going to grow good plants so oh yeah. boy okay. yeah just yes number one tell him to cut the biggest holes in it he can and tell him that if you ever see a roll of it on his truck when he's near your property he's going to be looking for a new job okay all right will do thank you you are sure welcome okay. and you have a wonderful okay. weekend okay <laughs> thanks farcy <laughs> bye all right, let's get uh, to these phone lines. Can be James and Clint, and James is up first. Good morning, James. Morning, Bob. How you doing? Oh, you know, it's just another nice, chilly spring day, but it's uh, every day we're why we're just one day closer to our real spring weather. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. I threw another log in my cedar eater over here and got the <laughs> stove cranked up. Nice and warm in here. Yes, sir. I'll bet it is. It's pretty warm in the studio. It's, uh, But at least it's not windy today. At least it wasn't when I came into the studio. That's the thing. Past couple of days, it's just been so windy. And that wind chill is what gets you. The actual temperature isn't that bad. Boy, ain't that the truth. Um, the question was, if you organic guys are using vinegar for herbicides, mm-hmm. where are you putting it in the garret juice? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. In the Garrett juice, we are using uh, apple cider vinegar, which is not nearly as caustic as the chemically derived vinegar that we usually use as a weed killer. Uh, For weed killing purposes, we're using it virtually straight. I mean, we're adding a little bit of orange oil to it. And uh, we're not diluting it down with water whatsoever. In the Garrett juice, uh, it is very, very dilute. And the you might say the it's the acetates, uh, which is um, you know vinegar is acetic acid, and it's it's some of those acetate radicals that actually do the plant killing. You simply don't have nearly as much of that in apple cider vinegar to start out with, and then you've got it diluted down to the point that the benefits greatly outweigh any minor damage that it does. And the benefits are? uh... Uh, The benefits are the slight acidifying effect that you get. 
And, um, of course, as we make things slightly more acid, we make them uh, more than we make a lot of, especially the metallic nutrients and things, a lot more available to the plants. It seems to have something to do with helping seeds to sprout. And um, I I can't really tell you all the different things. Maybe that would be a good thing for me to put on the log to uh, ask Howard about and uh, just all the benefits of having the vinegar in uh in the garret juice so i'll make it a point to ask him but those are just a few of the benefits that's what i told them it's uh when you acidify the, the solution it's uh, it just makes it more plant available yeah and it but it does uh it makes it it makes things more bioavailable so to speak but it, it somehow breaks down you know mother nature protects those seeds she didn't want them trying to sprout until they have a reasonable chance of growing and surviving and uh i you know i it's been my experience that that garret juice uh just a very brief soak in very dilute garret juice really speeds up germination and increases the percentage of those seeds that germinate well yeah that was kind of my I'm making some garret juice to soak some seeds in. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tatuma squash, right, which is actually a pumpkin. Right. <laughs> right. I uh, hope I get some pretty good germination. The question I had last week for you was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a summer cover crop for the uh, tomato hoop house, and you mentioned uh, green beans. Mm-hmm. So I took took that information and uh, I found out that the kidney bean has got a 24-inch tap root and a three-foot wide uh, spread on it. So mm-hmm. we decided to try some uh, cannelloni or cannelloni. How, how do you say those? Cannelloni is uh, what I say, but I'm, I'm no linguist. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think well, that's how they pronounce it. We were going to plant them on uh, one-foot spacings and let them run wild and just uh, harvest them for dried beans and see how that worked. Uh, the, the information I got from the guy that grows them said uh, instead of pulling the plants when you're finished with them, just cut them off at the soil surface and leave the uh, leave the roots in. Oh, the absolutely. Yeah, that's I, I would do that, too. And there's another benefit to that, too, because uh, – um, your little mycorrhizal fungi and things like that that also do very good things in the soil for all your plants. If you just rip a living plant out of the soil, you're destroying um, a lot of the mycorrhizae that are down there. When you cut a plant off and the bottom of it begins to die, your mycorrhizal fungi respond by going into sort of a semi-dormant state in the soil, waiting for the next crop to come in so that they can colonize the root system. So there, there are a lot of reasons that I think you're better off to cut those off than to try to pull them up. It's. I was talking to Malcolm, and he was using, in the old days, he was using Roundup on uh, uh, Bermuda grass. Well, mm-hmm. Bermuda grass and Johnson grass. Right. And he would kill the Johnson grass, and he told me that after he'd dig up the dead roots of the Johnson grass, it was just covered with earthworms. They were feasting on those those uh, those dead roots. Right. So that was the the plan uh, to uh, to feed the the earthworms in the raised beds in the hoop house. Mm-hmm. I leaving the uh, leaving the roots in the ground. 
I I'm think it's going to work. I think it's going to work, and I think it's just every year you're going to find out that uh, that it just gets better and better. Your soil's just constantly being improved. Uh, now, now you mentioned mycorrhiza. I've been watering the tomatoes in the hoop house, and everywhere I water, I got a proliferation of toadstools or mushrooms, or I, I, I don't know how to identify. <laughs> Well, you know, what you see, what we call toadstools, mushrooms, whatever you want to call them, they are the fruiting body. I mean, fungi don't bloom. Fungi reproduce by spores, at least uh, the the multi-cell ones reproduce by spores. And so you've got this fungus that is just has its its body, so to speak, is called a mycelium. Boy, you're taking me a long way back in my plant morphology days. But uh, it's got this, uh, its body, so to speak, is growing all through the soil. And when it decides that it wants to reproduce, it makes this structure that comes up on top of the soil, which is what makes all the spores, uh, which is how the fungus reproduces. And that's what your mushroom cap, that's what your toadstool cap is, is simply a reproductive body. And if you've ever, you know, taken and let a toadstool top dry, put it on a piece of white paper, you'll see who knows how many thousands or millions of those little spores are just as fine as dust. You'll have a pattern on the paper underneath it from all the spores that are falling out from in between those gills on the top. So what you're looking at is is just the reproducing body of the fungus. And what that's telling you is that you've got a lot of great organic material in the soil. You take you take old poor nutrient, poor soils, you never see mushrooms or toadstools coming up out of that. Uh, but a lot of folks see them in their yard, for instance, where, you know, tree roots underneath the ground are decomposing, and they're one of the fungi that helps with breaking those down. When you start seeing fungus when you start seeing mushroom caps and things like that that's just telling you got lots of organic material in the soil and it's not a bad thing oh good news all right that sounds great excuse me thanks for answering my questions you know it's always a pleasure visiting james get out and have a wonderful weekend and i'll look forward to our next visit yes sir (laughs) bye-bye goodbye okay uh let's see i'm gonna go ahead and talk to clint good morning clint Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. How about you this morning? Good. Uh, last week you mentioned about I could spray my pomegranate down with uh, cornmeal tea. Is that a popcorn just as good as using you know granite for that? Any kind of any kind of corn works. It's not uh, you know the corn itself. It's this beneficial fungus called trichoderma. And what you want is, you know, is is just a whole corn kernel. You don't want any of this uh, uh, cornmeal stuff that's uh, had all the good stuff polished off of it, which is what the cornmeal they sell in the store for the most part is, unless you're buying what's called whole ground cornmeal. Um, you're you're getting a processed product that doesn't grow the trichoderma well, but um, just any any kind of corn that's being ground up, whether it's popcorn, field corn, sweet corn, any of those things should grow the good trichoderma, and that's what you're trying to get out of your cornmeal tea. And what was the amount for the tea again? Uh, it depends on how much you're making. A five-gallon bucket, I'd put probably about a cup of cornmeal in there. 
And if you're going to be spraying it, I would put that cornmeal in an old sock or get your girlfriend to give you, you know, an old pair of patty hose or something like that, because that way you don't have to strain it. Uh, it will still grow that trichoderma just fine, but then you can just pull the sock or whatever out and dispose of it. If you dump your cornmeal straight in the water, then you're probably going to have to pour it through a paint strainer bag or something like that so that it doesn't clog up your sprayer. And how long is that tea good for? Um, what you're making is actually a leachate rather than a tea. It's probably good for 24 to 48 hours, but I'd make it fresh every time you want to do it. Do that. Okay. And that's, uh, right now once the blooms, uh, go away. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as your, as soon as your uh, fruit has started to form, you know, it's impossible to tell you how often to do it because when we have cloudy, rainy weather, Plants are a lot more susceptible to damage from different fungi than when we have uh, drier, windier weather. And, man, anybody trying to predict weather these days has to be a little bit crazy. (laughs) And so if we have a lot of moist, overcast weather, then I'd be spraying my cornmeal tea a little bit more often. If we have uh, bright, sunny days, it's not going to be nearly as critical. And speaking prediction of rain, what was the farmer's almanac saying for this summer? I haven't read the farmer's almanac for this summer. We'll have to find somebody who has, but uh, uh, I'm I'm afraid I I haven't reviewed that. So uh, you can check it out, or I'll find somebody who has. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Always oh, a pleasure, Clint. Appreciate the call this morning. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. All right. All right, let's get back to gardening. We're going to talk to uh, David and then Ann and then you. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are we, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. It's going to be a great day. Going to have a fun day. Teach a seminar on all about color in the landscape this morning. And uh, I don't know, I just I, I get up looking forward to the day, and it's going to be a good weekend. That'll work. How about you? Uh Trying to do a little gardening, too. Hope the ground dries up a little bit. Oh, but don't worry. We didn't get enough rain to put much moisture in the soil. You're going you're gonna to get down about a quarter of an inch. You're going to find that soil's plenty dry for you to garden in. Very good. All right, question of the day is uh, the diesel molasses ratio for mesquite or wesatch. Will that uh, either one, will that uh, cure my problem? Well, it's, you know, it's not organic, but it sure beats these toxic herbicides. And uh, the diesel kills, the molasses cleans it up. Uh, I do a 50-50 mix. Uh, you might be able to vary that a little one way or another and be successful. But I probably overdo it on the wanting to clean it up end of it. And that's the purpose of the molasses in there. So I just do a 50-50 mix. Now, they don't, it doesn't go into solution, so to speak. you got to keep shaking it or I just keep a stick in that uh can and just stir it up real good before i pour it on because they don't they don't want to blend together but uh you're killing with the diesel you're cleaning up the toxic stuff the diesel leaves behind with your molasses and is there like uh, a large tree versus something that has been cut and kind of trying to grow back uh you know, like a gallon or do I? Uh, that's, uh, that probably gets a little expensive and is probably a lot more than you need. Now, if you had a big stump, yeah, maybe a couple of quarts, you know, a smaller stump, maybe a couple of cups would be enough. You just want to wet the stump and the soil immediately around it pretty well. And that's just going to depend on how big the tree was to begin with. And do you see, uh, let's say, a your your wrist size i mean uh, 
do you see will it be next year before it starts to defoliate or decline? Well, I I cut it off at ground level and I treat the stump. I don't treat the you know a growing tree. I'm not sure how well that would work. I'm gonna you know I've got literally I'm I'm going along with my chainsaw. I'm cutting it off, throwing the thorny stuff aside, and then dumping a little bit of the mix over the stump. Gotcha. And okay. then it normally just doesn't come back out. That'll work. That was my big problem. Well, it's 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 a lot of work, but let me tell you what. And you know, if you look at your weed killers like Remedy and things like that, and that stuff can move hundreds of feet and kill trees that you had no intention of killing. But if you look, they're telling you to add diesel to it. And I, once again, I think it's probably diesel's doing as much good as the other. And uh, they just spread so widely. The thing about your diesel molasses mix, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to kill that one area where you're pouring it on okay one more question do we have time yes sir uh, uh i said mulch what i've got an old farmhouse basically all wood uh putting mulch around uh, azaleas around the house does that invite termites and stuff not any more than the wood already is um you know termites live to uh to decompose wood that's that's what they do in life and um, putting the mulch around, you could easily have some termites in the mulch, but you probably would have them anyway. If you put out your beneficial nematodes now and then, they'll totally keep them under control. I think it's a good idea to do anyway. At your box store, the red, the black, uh, the colored, it's mulch is mulch, correct? Well, I don't like the dyed stuff because I don't like the toxic stuff that's in those dyes. Um, if that's your best source, yeah, but uh, if you live in Kendall County, you know, you tip the guy at the brush dump five bucks and he'll load as much as you can carry onto your pickup truck. I know, uh, Comal County does the same thing. Um, if you know a tree trimmer, just tell them, cause you know, it's, it's always been funny to me. Your tree trimmer's got all these chips he needs to get rid of. They actually charge him to take them and dump them to at a company that's going to then turn around and turn it into compost and sell it i just I, I find that very funny if you know anybody in the tree trimming business tell them next time he's got a load of chips you know come dump it uh in your yard and you'll have a five-year supply well we have uh, i live in fayette county and they have that it's five dollars for a big scoop uh that's and just as that's better stuff than you're going to buy in the store so uh and if you're if you're in the country, you either have a pickup or you you have one available to you. That's what I'd be using. That's correct. Okay, Bob, I do appreciate it. I appreciate your call, David. Have a great weekend, and thank you so much. You too, sir. And thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, it's Ann's turn next. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. I just have a real quick question. I listen to you every Saturday. I appreciate that. About working in there, getting their yards ready. How is it? too early yet to trim down lantana to the ground the dead stuff well anything that's frozen that's like cutting your hair or your fingernails the plant didn't even know it's gone i trimmed mine this yeah. past week uh it's uh no i think it's a fine time to be cutting back your lantana i cut it down to maybe an inch tall i wouldn't be cutting it all the way to the ground because right. but uh cut it down to an inch or two tall yeah that'd be a a great activity for uh for a nice morning out there <laughs> 
for me. No, we're having a garage sale this morning, so it's going to have to wait. But um, but I still have some that's blooming, like the the smaller variety. Well, it's it's a totally different species. Uh, there's a trailing yeah. purple and a trailing white. Those don't have that's to be trimmed. Yeah, those don't have to be trimmed back at all unless you're getting yeah, out of hand. Still blooming. Yeah, okay. they bloom. They bloom almost year round. They don't bloom. Yeah. Your other varieties, your brighter varieties, tend to bloom in the summer only. Mm-hmm. Um, your lavender and white trailing forms of lantana, and this one thing I need to talk about in my seminar this morning. Thank you for reminding oh. me. Uh, okay. They they bloom more heavily in the spring and fall, and uh, not as much. But those things, I mean, you you have flowers on those twelve months out of the year. So the yeah, only they t- do the purple. Purple do. Yeah, yeah, I I would only trim it if it's getting out of hand. Uh, otherwise, I just I wouldn't even touch it with pruning shears. Oh, good, because the deer don't eat those. So no, if and you have a reasonable more. number of deer, they totally leave them alone. There are a lot of things to recommend lantanas, and the other thing about that purple form is it'll grow in partial shade, where your more brightly yeah. colored forms pretty much have to have yeah. full suns. So it's a great plant. Yeah. Yeah, they grow in front of my house, and which gets sun and shade. So yeah, they're really good. All right, that takes care of my question. Thank you. Well, so hope your hope your garage sales is successful this morning, and you have a great oh, weekend. So do we. All righty. <laughs> Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. All right. Oh, it's just going to be a wonderful weekend, and uh, I always enjoy talking to Faye. Good morning, Faye. How's everything over in your part of the state? Well, it's pretty nice springtime. We're uh, uh, still wet <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, hopefully you're not saturated. You have, let's just call it, adequate moisture at this point. Well, and, and saturated might be a little closer. We're still uh, still just uh, after the uh, hurricane and additional rain, we're still just soaked. So I'm, I'm, I'm working around that a little bit, which um, brings me to the questions. <laughs> We have these um, out in the uh, acreage there. We have these little uh, insects that are I, looking them up. It looks like they could be called midges. Yeah, but they are in my ears, in my eyes, and out in my hair. And is there a, a, a remedy for that? Oh man, I would try cedar oil. Um, okay. Midges are. Oh golly, they're they're real weird little creatures, and they can be damaging to crops as well as just annoying. Um, but uh, I think you would find that uh, just a cedar oil spray is very very repellent to them. I know it works well on uh, on mites like the chiggers and things like that. So I think it is probably going to work well on them. But I would I would look for one of the cedar oil sprays would be where I would start. Okay, and and once it dries up, do they kind of go away, or or they just here permanently? I think the, at least for the most part, they will go away. They're uh, they're one of those little creatures that, when the conditions are right, their um, numbers just explode. But in a more typical year, Mother Nature has it balanced out where there are enough other things that go after them, where their reproduction slows down. So. You know, I I just hate to use the word normal when I talk about anything related to weather. But uh, in your area, I doubt that they are going to be a um, a problem once we move beyond this um, 
this period where we've been had more rainfall than than is at all typical over a much more prolonged period. The other thing about this crazy spring, so to speak, is just we haven't had any sunshine. That's probably had more effect on uh, odd stuff happening in the environment than anything else. It's just the number of sunny days we've had so far in 2019 is very limited, and that's what's keeping things from drying out. That's what's slowing down a lot of plants coming out. Um, it's just, it's just, we need more sunshine and then everything gets better. Well, it, and that's right. Uh, it, it has not been sunny. It yeah, for sure. has not been. Well, uh, well, thank you. I'll, I'll get a hold of some of that oil. I have another, uh, a friend of mine up in, uh, uh, Fort Worth has had a pear tree that, uh, in the storm they had, I guess, uh, several days back got, uh, broken and and really killed so is a magnolia something that could grow in that same spot happily or a small a small magnolia and and where is this now in fort worth um if they're in an area with deep soil magnolias will do okay fort worth doesn't have nearly as much rock as we do here in san antonio they have a more alkaline soil which magnolias don't really like but uh, i go with the little gem i keep it heavily mulched and it should be fine